Canada isn't letting Americans in for non-essential business, but being nice as Canadians are, they decided to allow Americans to pass through to vacation in Alaska. But then the Mounties started noticing American plates in the Canadian Rockies, way far from the Trans-Canada Highway. In a COVID-19 summer, here's where this gets funny. Alaska man meets Calgary woman on a dating site. He drives his pickup for a meetup. $870 ticket later, Canada tells him, go home. Next morning, the couple caught having a massage. Later, another ticket caught on a gondola ride in the Rockies. He argued, COVID's a hoax. The Mounties escorted him out of town. Not seen since. We all know the heart wants what the heart wants, but that's not good enough. After all, our hearts naturally only pursue fleshly desires. Something better than a date? Emmanuel, God with us. He comes looking for us, and we need him. More significant, more important. Welcome to Haven Today. I'm Charles Morris, sharing the great story that's all about Jesus. And on this Monday, we're starting a new series I think we need right now, called Soul Care. Have you ever heard that expression? It's used by many people, both Christian and non-Christian, But that's why we want to turn our eyes to what the Bible has to say about caring for your soul and how we need to be reminded of that in these trying days. Recent findings from the CDC's Household Pulse Survey showed that nearly 30% of people are experiencing some form of depression right now. Maybe that number doesn't sound too high, but compared to this time last year, it's over four times the amount. And we're seeing the same increase for those struggling with anxiety. That's no surprise. We're in the middle of a great pandemic. COVID-19 is so new. Information is constantly changing. Some grow fearful from the climbing infection numbers, while others are anxious about leaders maybe not telling the entire story. And then throw in the economic and racial troubles we're facing as well. 2020 has turned into a not very easy year. So here at Haven Today, we've been praying and talking about how we can speak to this crisis of the soul. And we remembered a very encouraging interview we did earlier this year in January with a pastor talking about one of the most well-known Christian preachers, Charles Spurgeon, and how he struggled with depression himself. Even though he was a Baptist in the 19th century in England, you know, he's kind of ahead of his time, really. And I began to realize not only his great compassion for those who are depressed, but his own transparency about his own depression. Dr. Zach Heswine will be with us in just a moment to share from Spurgeon's experiences with depression and how his struggles and victories in Christ can encourage all of us today. Zach has also written a book called Spurgeon's Sorrows, Realistic Hope for Those Who Suffer from Depression. You'll hear more about it later in the program, but let me say this book can help you if you're struggling right now. And if you're not, it'll help you better understand someone you love who's fighting depression right now. After the program, I want to send you a copy of Spurgeon's Sorrows for your gift to Haven today. You just need to call us at 800-654-2836. 800-654-2836. Or go online and download the first chapter from the book and then make your gift at haventoday.org haventoday.org. And don't forget, we still have the feature-length film called I Still Believe, the story of Jeremy and Melissa Kemp. 
and their struggle with cancer for your gift as well. I'll tell you more about it later in the program, but first, let's open with one of Jeremy's songs, a song called He Knows. Oh, the bitter, weary ways, the endless driving day by day, you better have the strength to pray in the valley low. And how hard your fight has been, how deep the pain within, wounds that no one else has seen, hurts too much to show. And all the doubt you're standing in between And all the way that brings you to your knees He knows, and He knows Every hurt and every sting He has walked the suffering He knows, He knows Let your burdens come song to open our program here on Haven Today. That's Jeremy Camp reminding us that the Lord knows our sorrows and our hurts, and He cares. And I'm Charles Morris. Now, let's go back to an interview I did at the beginning of the year with pastor and author Dr. Zach Eswine in St. Louis. We first aired it on Blue Monday, what many consider the most depressing day of the year. But with so many struggling with depression and anxiety right now, we thought it was important to hear how the Lord helped a well-known Christian, Charles Spurgeon, through his struggle with depression. And on the line with us from St. Louis, Missouri, is Dr. Zach Aswine. 
Uh, he teaches homiletics at Covenant Seminary. He's also the lead pastor of Riverside Church, which is located in a suburb of St. Louis. Zach Eswine, we've never had you on this program before, but I'm so looking forward to having you today. Thank you for joining me. Thank you, Charles. It's a pleasure to be with you. We wanted to have you on because you have not just written a book about depression. You have been depressed yourself. We'll get into that. And the book you have happened to write, a couple of books, but uh, are on someone who, like you, was a pastor and suffered from depression. So with that kind of a backdrop, I want to go to October 19. 1856. And in the book that you wrote, you talk about a 22-year-old pastor, and that was probably the first time in his life that he ever caught and suffered from depression. You want to tell us that story as we get started? Yeah, I'd be glad to. Uh, Charles Spurgeon, young pastor, he was uh, preaching to thousands of people. He's one of the first megachurch pastors, if you will. And someone in that uh, large auditor auditorium yelled, fire. And people mm. thought there was a fire. And so those thousands of people stampeded out. And in the midst of the chaos and confusion of that, several people died and were injured in that. Now, Charles didn't know that that was taking place. It was such a large place, and you can remember there are no microphones or anything like that. Mm -hmm. So he mm -hmm. kept preaching for a while, uh, while all that unfolded, until he finally realized something was going on. And because of the, the trauma itself, the people who died, the people who were injured, and also because he had kept preaching, he was mercilessly criticized by the press. Um, at the oh, time. Okay. Uh, and uh, all that put together sent him into a uh, profound depression, what, what, and what we would think of today as suicide watch. He was on suicide mm. watch, and his wife, Susanna, writes that uh, she, didn't, she didn't know if he would make it. He, he was um, tottering on the edge of sanity. And he himself... As he reflects back on that time, uh, says that uh, even the thought of the Bible uh, made him weep. And the fact that he was 22 years old, I, I know he's been described as the prince of preachers. He was mighty in the pulpit. Thousands and thousands came to faith through his ministry, but he was only 22 years old. In a way, he wasn't even grown yet, was he, when this happened? No, that's right. If I remember rightly, he had two young children at the time and a uh, young married, uh, young man married. And I think they had been married like 10 months before that. And uh, it was it was a, a profoundly dark day that stayed with him the rest of his life. Twenty five years later, uh, Charles Spurgeon was addressing a large audience. Uh, it was during a session of the Baptist Union. And of course, he was. Uh, middle-aged at that time, a seasoned pastor, well-known. Hundreds and hundreds of people were pressing in for this conference, and he had what we would call today a flashback. It, uh, what we would, you know, how we would say it, it triggered mm -hmm. that memory of a quarter century earlier. And uh, he says that he was entirely unmanned. That's how they would talk about it at the time. 
and he wondered if he would be able to preach at all. And a reporter who watched him uh, said as much as well. And he, his whole body was full of anxiety uh, going into what we would call, you know, a flight response. And the trauma that happened mm-hmm. 25 years earlier was as present to him as if it was happening again. And he talks about how he, mm-hmm. by the grace of God, somehow was able to preach that night. But it just reminds us that a, a, a trauma that we can experience in our life is one source of depression. And when that trauma goes deep enough in this fallen world, uh, it, it takes a long time. Even saturated with grace, it takes a long time sometimes to overcome. But uh, Christ was overcoming that in his life, but it was no trite thing. It lingered with him. Mm. There has to be a reason why you started studying. I mean, everybody reads about Charles Spurgeon, especially if they're studying for the ministry. Why the interest, why the personal interest in his depression? Well, I originally was studying him uh, from the vantage point of preaching. I was I was doing doctoral work on um, the role of the Holy Spirit as he saw it when he preached. And so I was reading, you know, hundreds of his sermons, and I began to notice how often he talked about sadness or depression or sorrow and how transparent he was from the pulpit. Uh, and I just... Mm-hmm. As a person, you know, myself who struggle, who has uh, struggled with and encountered and had to work through uh, depression and anxiety, you know, I, I was drawn to him in a pastoral way. He, this was somebody, even though he was a Baptist in the 19th century in England, you know, he's, he's kind of ahead of his time, really. Uh, and I began to realize not only his great compassion for those who are depressed, but his own transparency about his own depression. And uh, began to gradually learn that actually he had this whole ministry uh, to people who were depressed. And his empathy and compassion for them was profound and felt. And so you can, you know, even even some of the titles, you know, of his sermons, you know, like uh, The Frail Leaf or The Wounded Spirit or The Fainting Soul, The Bruised Reed, Jesus, The Man of Sorrows. He, he, Spurgeon was, uh, this was on his mind, and he was eager to comfort those who felt the, the deep pain of what he called mental sorrow. And he described mental sorrow, that is depression, uh, he described that as uh, one of the most miserable of pains that anyone could, could experience in this life. He said that physical pain is uh, profound in its agony, but uh, the worst kind of pain is the hidden kind the hidden kind in the soul Mm. uh, from depression. So he was a person who I began to discover could minister to me, but also help me as a pastor minister to others. If you just joined us, you're listening to Haven Today, and uh, I'm Charles Morris. We're talking about depression with Dr. Zach Kesswine. He's a pastor. He's also a preaching professor in the middle of America at Covenant Seminary. And he's written a book called Spurgeon's Sorrows, Realistic Hope for Those Who Suffer from Depression. Zach, I'm so thankful you could join us today. And one of the things you seek to do in your book, and it's a good book, a lot of people have told me that, not just me saying that, 
you're dealing with not only the depression of Spurgeon, but you're you're talking about practical ways that we can deal with our depression. You want to just explain to me a little bit about, uh, you know, how the Lord helps his people to make it through depression. Yeah. Um, Charles Spurgeon, in the book, he's, he's our traveling companion, uh, a fellow friend who's uh, experienced these things. And from his uh, th- uh, thorough biblical perspective, he said that depression can come from one of three places. Uh, depression can be a part of our chemistry, our DNA. Uh, we can be born with a melancholy bent in our being, he said. He also said that depression can come from circumstances, just like we were just talking about, a circumstance that so marks our life that it lingers with us in a painful way throughout the course of our life. And then he also talked about spiritual depression, depression that can come at us from a a spiritual angle, the attack of our enemy and uh, our uh, feeling blocked or abandoned by God. And so from that vantage point, he then reminded us of the Christian belief that we are body and soul. And so when he talks about God's provision for us, he'll talk about provisions in creation, like a a hot bath or nutrition or um, medicine or uh, the need to uh, uh, have a dog as a pet. Um, He'll talk about practical things like uh, he was in foggy and rainy London, and so he, he regularly found that he had to find his way to spend extended time to see sunlight and the beauty of creation. And so he would speak very practically about a way of life that helps uh, manage and uh, speak into these symptoms of depression. But then he would also meditate on the promises of God. He actively pursued humor And he actively thought about Jesus as in the Garden of Gethsemane. One of the profound things Charles Spurgeon says is that sometimes in our depression, it isn't the cross that's a comfort to us. Sometimes in our depression, it's not even the resurrection of Jesus that comforts us. Sometimes in our depression, what we need to know is that Jesus was at Gethsemane and that he was betrayed and that he was a sweat like blood and that he would cry out on the cross, not only paying for our sins, but he would take up the cry of the victim, and he would say, why have you forsaken me? And that garden of betrayal in Gethsemane, Spurgeon says it this way, he says, when you see the garden of Gethsemane, what you're seeing is the mental depression of Jesus. That's how he puts it, the mental depression of Jesus. And when you see the mental depression of Jesus, you see our general. He's not a general that stands in the back and sends the soldiers forward. No, he's a general who goes first and leads the way. He's the first one through the garden of betrayal, the first one to taste all the darkness of depression on our behalf. And when we see that, we learn that we have a fellow friend with God. And so these body and soul provisions become uh, Hmm. not a momentary fix, but a way of life that becomes the means of grace in God's hands to, uh, to heal us, to mend us, to help us. That's very encouraging. Zach S. Wine in St. Louis, uh, would you mind just leading us in prayer right now? Yes, Lord. Uh, We stand before you, Lord. We say the words of the psalmist. We thank you that you've given us the language of sorrow in your word. 
Let not the flood sweep over us, Lord. Let not the deep swallow us up or the pit close its mouth over us. Lord, we say to you, we are in darkness. But even the darkness is as light to you. And so we ask you would come, fellow friend in Christ. Speak your words of comfort and healing to us. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Zach Heswine in St. Louis, a pastor, someone who has gone through depression in his life, and you also are on the faculty at Covenant Seminary. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you, Charles. What do I feel discouraged? Why do the shadows His eye is on the sparrow and sail it here on Haven Today in a program called Soul Care. 
Wasn't it good to hear from Dr. Zach Heswine? He has a compassionate heart to help those struggling with depression. He's been there himself. And I know his book will help you see that if you or someone you know suffers from depression, you're not alone. Even the great Charles Spurgeon had his deep battles with melancholy, as he called it. I'd like to get you a copy of Spurgeon's Sorrows, Realistic Hope for Those Who Suffer from Depression. And instead of offering a simple cure-all formula, this book addresses the nature of depression with compassion and insight. And Zach does that through the lens of Spurgeon's life. It's not a self-help book, but it's a helpful note that'll bring those struggling with depression great hope found in Jesus Christ. Here's the number to call us right now, 800 Six five four twenty eight thirty six. That's eight hundred six five four twenty eight thirty six. Make your gift and ask for your copy of Spurgeon's Sorrows. And if you know someone else struggling right now, I would encourage you to get a second copy to send along to them. You can also go to our website, haventoday.org, haventoday.org. And when you're there, download the first chapter of Spurgeon's Sorrow for free. And then you can make your gift and we'll send the book to you right away. And don't forget, if you wanted to order it but haven't yet, we still have the DVD, I Still Believe, the story of Jeremy Camp and his first wife's struggle with cancer. It's a movie filled with hope, so needed for this summer we're in right now. Ask about it when you call or watch the movie trailer online. I'm Charles Morris. Thanks so much for joining me. Won't you come back again next time? And again, we'll share together the great story. It's all about Jesus here on Haven Today. Here for your encouragement and your walk with God. This is David Wolin with Haven Ministries inviting you to anchor your day in God's Word. According to a recent study, hope is like oxygen. People need it to live. It's not exactly a shocker, especially if you've ever worked in a hospital or as a counselor. Sometimes a little hope can tip the balance and help someone heal. But there's more than one kind of hope. Some hope is optimism and wishful thinking. Some hope is actually false hope. But is there such a thing as certain hope? Romans 15 says we serve the God of all hope. He's the one who can fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So, when you hope in God, you hope with certainty. You can get your Anchor devotional delivered in print monthly at getanchor.com.